0: Coming up now on the Business Radio X Network, Miracles from Up for body, hair and soul with your hosts, Kayla Womack and Ron Reynolds. Yes, and my name is Mark Bishop as a guest host today and with the lovely hosts and good people of Miracles from Up The show has been going now for only two episodes. It has introduced itself in the wonderful world of fashion and styling and hairdressing. And I'm referring to Kayla. Hi, Kayla. Hello,
1: hello. good morning.
0: And Ronald. Hi, Ronald. Hello, Mark. They've asked me as a guest host today, which I'm very honored to be, and I appreciate that, uh, on Tucson Business Radio X. And they are changing format with this show, which I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy, because they really care about the industry. From what I can understand, you know, the hairdressing industry, stylist industry, ever since COVID has hit, and, you know, maybe just before a little bit, things have been changing. And that's what they're going to discuss today. So, without further ado, guys... Nice to see some rain, though, isn't it, Kayla? Absolutely. <laughs> Tucson, i tell you what. Ron, let's start with you, mate. You're almost 64 years old, and you were born into the salon industry uh, with your mom. She was a stylist. Yes. And uh, So what are some of the things that you've witnessed in that amount of
2: time? Uh, I guess you could, uh, boy, what a span. It goes back to powdered soaps, colored dye, or hair dye instead of hair color. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a uh, segregated uh, sal- uh, industry. The men had to go to barbershops and women went to salons. It was mm-hmm. illegal for men to go to salons. You're unless cheating. You were, No, unless you were a male hairdresser. Uh, isn't that right? funny? Isn't and that f- funny? So, well, a little bit funny, but it's, yeah. it's more or less racism, <laughs> isn't it? Actually, I think it was 1971 <laughs> that they finally legalized unisex hair salons here in Arizona. Oh, okay. And uh, that was a lead from a few other states, but it, it just took a while to go across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly, probably uh, 95% of the salons were commission salons. And uh, now it's probably the other way around. 95% are booth renters, uh, whereas everybody is self-employed in well, the
0: Well, Okay. we got to talk commission, commission sales reps, commission, commission, commission. Um, booths I'm used to with trade shows and small centers and all the rest of it. So do some clarification for me.
2: Well, in the past, uh, you went to work for a salon. The salon owner owned the, the company, and she paid you a commission for every service you did. So so, so, so hairstylist, hey, what, don't, don't get a,
0: a retainer, don't get a wage?
2: No. They, well, they might in the beginning. They may get an hourly wage or a stipend, and uh, the salon pays for the receptionist up front. They do your booking. They uh, do your laundry. They service the – or they provide the – products of uh, shampoos, mm-hmm. conditioners, everything at the back bar, and then they also supply the color lines and everything like that well, that you're doing. So it, you,
0: there's overheads and expenses it, right
2: it, there. Very much so, and they're paying all the overhead and expenses, mm-hmm. air conditioning and everything else. Uh, then they would have a retail area, and they would pay you a commission on the retail, uh so if you sold the retail for them you got a commission on that as so well. so we're talking shampoos conditioners styling uh, aids styling aids all that type of yes. thing that's what we classify as the retail yes
0: all right so a commission i understand then so the more you work your butt off the more you're gonna make exactly absolutely <laughs> <laughs> on that particular <laughs> side of but it. but
2: you also have a skilled in most cases you had a skilled uh business person that was running the salon uh when you have the booth renter these are people that are seeking independence want to make their own hours do their own thing uh have their own business and they pay for everything uh they may they pay for the rent they pay for Uh, their towel service they pay for their color they pay for their products and Mm -hmm. uh, all of that is the expense on them now they keep a hundred percent of whatever they generate but uh, they pay out uh, so they're uh, the boothies yeah so they're the boothies so it's like a business
0: within a business exactly okay so how do they pick a salon then why would they go to a salon versus b salon
2: um you know i'm gonna let I'm going to toss that over to Kayla we'll that for a one second to Kayla. because that's a great question Is that we'd like to delve in today, but Kayla, being a stylist and a salon owner, I think it would be more apt for her to uh, answer that question. All
0: right. Well, we're going to do that one with Kayla, but allowing you to just to close right. on what you were
2: getting at, uh, some of the things that you've witnessed that, that disturb you now. Well, there's been a lot of great things that have happened in our industry over this time. There's been uh, the advancement of technology and the products that we use and the colors and the 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 chemical services that we do, the retail products, cutting-edge uh, pharmaceutical-grade ingredients. Everything is uh, done, whereas more people are coming in that are have one or two or three doctorates in, in chemistry to make the products. So it's taken on a whole new era where sales and retail sales in our industry are over $100 billion now uh, annually. That's a lot of money. So mm. people are grabbing up, corporations are grabbing up that market One of the other things we've seen in that whole transition is now seven different corporations. We used to have every year there would be about 35 new product lines that came out back in the day. I can remember when germac came out and everybody was so excited that we had this product. And then (laughs) Paul Mitchell came in and started making a line of shampoos along with a couple of other companies and stuff. And, and look what it's done for them, you know, Mm. over the years, um, But uh, for the most part, there were a lot of independent people involved in the business Mm -hmm. of manufacturing and distributing. So when I was first coming in as a distributor, I would come into a salon. I might have to wait 30 minutes because there might already be two or three other sales reps ahead of me to talk to that salon. Oh, boy. And they represented a variety of companies. Probably here in Arizona, we had 25 distributors probably Mm -hmm. in, in this area alone in Arizona. Other states with bigger populations had even more than that. A distributor usually only had one or two lines, maybe three at the most. Mm -hmm. And they mastered those lines. They could tell you about every product. When a sales rep came in, he knew he owned that line. He Mm -hmm. knew what he was talking about about every product now.
0: Well, with only three, so he should, I'll tell you. Sure.
2: Now we're looking at corporations that are taking over. There are, out of the top, 182 lines that are out there, they're owned by seven different corporations. People like uh, L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, uh, Procter & Gamble, uh, just uh, all kinds of big multi-billion corporations who make their business in retail anyway. But now they're taking these products and they're putting them into retail stores. It makes it more difficult for the stylist to compete. So there's just been some real positives along the way. There's been some real negatives along the way. Hmm. So uh, that's suddenly swinging now to where those big corporations are not just buying up the product lines, they're buying up the distributors. So now people like myself who are independent, uh, manufacturers, independent right. distributors, mm-hmm. uh, we're very rare. I walk into a salon and uh, during COVID I'm often told you're the first person we've seen since March and, mm-hmm. uh, right. the other sales reps aren't even going out mm-hmm. uh, sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, uh, people, uh, I don't have competition in the independence anymore. My competitors are the major corporations. Right. And so it's lost that one-on-one touch. It's lost that I know everything about the product. Um, these corporations have anywhere from ten to 20,000 SKUs in their warehouses now. Mm-hmm. There's no way anybody can master that and know everything. So they've now gone to bringing in and making the acquaintance through the sales rep to the salon for the manufacturer Mm -hmm. but then if you like the product want to know about the line you've got to go to a class you pay to go to a class to learn about the product line so all of this is different where if you like my products you would book me into your salon and we would do a product knowledge class in the salon you learn about my product and i would follow it up with more more education, that's been gone. You either go to their place for a class, or you don't get any education. Well, that sounds that.
0: to me like a lot of service is gone.
2: A lot of a the service
0: that's gone. not good. And Kayla I mean, you've been in this industry for a lifetime as well. Your parents mm-hmm. uh, are stylists and own a salon before your father suddenly passed uh, this year. Uh, Mom's full bore with it now. W- what are some of the major things that you've witnessed in, in your lifetime within the industry?
1: So my parents opened their salon when I was seven years of age and they had a commission-based salon. At one point in time, there were three, let's see, three manicurists and eight hairdressers, very large salon. And I saw such a change, I would say, I started the industry when it was still commission. And then things started landsliding in the opposite direction. What I witnessed is that most hairdressers started seeing the numbers and they started saying, okay, so this salon is, it's 60, 40, or it's uh 62%, 38%. So they started seeing, well, I'm only making 38%. But what they didn't recognize is the fact that they all of a sudden wanted to become independent, be a booth renter. But most people wanted their independence as their own business owner and own entity without the responsibility. I think this is something that's been discussed across the board is we are an artistry, Mm, right? mm. And so with a lot of artists, they have very amazing and imaginative creative minds, but what they're lacking is business skills. So what I witnessed is this huge slide after more and more hairdressers become hungry for more money, They wanted to become independent. They wanted to become a booth renter, but they never learned business skills. So, yes, they saw number signs. Mm -hmm. Well, why would I give this cut to a business owner when I can make more money? But what happened is I think this is very sad, but Ron and I looked over some statistics this week. And the average hairdresser right now is only making $25,000 a year on paper. I mean, that is ridiculous. That is way too low. How do you pay your bills, right? Look at the cost of living now.
0: Well, for such a demanding job,
1: Absolutely. Long hours, standing taxing, on your feet all day. Right.
0: Uh, listening. You're basically a psychiatrist. You're listening to all the gripes they probably are from every client. Yes. All their all their, all their, family's business. And right? you've got to be polite. you I, I gather you've got to be kind. You know, every time I go to your salon, they're beautiful, very kind, listenable. You know, mm-hmm. I drive them nuts too. So yeah. when you think about it, 25 Gs in this day and age, it's not a lot of bickies, it's, is it?
1: It's not a lot. And I think the reason we're saying that is because we've got these amazing artists, but they don't know how to manage their income. They don't Mm. know how to manage costs, pay themselves correctly. And so we're seeing a lack of leadership. Before you had this huge entity, right? Right. You were in a safety net. You had a salon that paid for taxes, brought in the best products. They gave you great education. And because of that leadership, we saw very skilled hairdressers that were able to raise prices every year, able to have raises. But now what's happened is that's gone. And so these people are so exhausted behind their chair, being psychiatrists. The only prescriptions they're giving are products that, uh, you know, you invest in a product line. Let's say, for example, let's say I wanted to invest in Ron's product line. If I wanted to get a substantial amount, even just as an independent on my shelf, I would most likely have to invest 1000 to $2,000 to get enough retail on the shelves to start selling. So... A lot of hairdressers don't even have that in their savings, Mm. okay? So the other thing is the discouragement came into play when so many of these product lines, like Ron is talking about, it used to be a lot more simplified back 20 years ago. Now we're seeing this mass production, right? So much competition. The reason why that has grown so much is we have media, we've got the internet, we have all this coverage. Knowledge is, you know, Mm -hmm. you can get it quickly. But the problem with that is, is the bottom dollar is always the bottom line. So these companies come into salons, they're professional grade, like Ron was talking about, prescriptive base. But then we've got big corporations that come in and buy them out. What does that mean? That's taking away the cream and crop of the business. That's our butter, right? Mm -hmm. That's our extra income as a hairdresser. So when these big corporations buy them out, let's say... Paul Mitchell, right? Um, let's see. Shaper Hairspray mm-hmm. was one of them. Shaper Hairspray was huge in the salons way back when. Big corporation bought them out for millions then it no longer was a professional grade product now we see it in Costco and Target mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what does that do for us hairdressers so we well, continue to invest in lines to me it makes it a little
0: cheaper for number 1
1: it does but see what Be, they're trying but they're selling. trying to get to the
0: mass market that's aren't they? right but they're competing with you
1: they're competing with us but no longer because once that product is on the shelf of Costco or Amazon guess what that does we're cutting out the professionalism so they've bought it because they're selling a professional name. Mm-hmm. What happens after they buy this, and a lot of a lot of our the people that come into our salon don't understand that they're buying the name, but when it's bought out, they're actually cheapening the ingredients yep. okay All right So people don't know that, so no. it's no longer considered a professional grade in our eyes. But what happens to us then now we have to go look for another professional line in hopes that they're not going to sell out as well and we're going to be out that money in the long run. So this has been happening, I would say, the last 20 years. Okay. And it's very discouraging for companies. It's been chipping away all this time. So hairdressers are making less and less.
0: So what I'm hearing is, from an outsider listening to this, what's the next move? Are these big corporations going to buy every
2: salon there is? Well, they are doing some of that already, but they're buying up the chains of salons. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Well, I, well yeah, we won't go into yeah, that right yeah. now, but
0: I, mm-hmm. I'm just concerned from what mm-hmm. you tell ta- Ron is a manufacturer. You're a stylist. Right. An educator. Mm-hmm. You know, do you agree with him that the industry is broken? And and if so, what, what's the biggest single issue that you think is the cause?
1: I definitely see that it's broken and it's been broken for a while. And that's why you see something like COVID hits, right? So when you've got a fracture in your foundation, all it takes is one hit to take down the entire industry. So what I'm seeing now is a lot of hairdressers I talk to have quit the industry. They're working at Target, Amazon, other jobs, because maybe they were down 30% in sales, because we all know there's people that are scared to come in for their hair, right? Mm. So then they also got scared. It's the whole fear factor, and scrambled, gave up the 70% of their clientele they had still, gave them up.
0: So, these are we talking now, these are the boothies?
1: Yep, these are the booth renters. Okay. And what I'm seeing now is they're now calling me miserable. They hate their jobs, they miss doing hair, but now they're starting over. So is there hope? There's, absolute, there's always hope. Well, right? you know
0: why they're missing it terribly, too? Because it's a profession. It is. It's an art.
1: It's, it's an art.
0: And if you love your profession like an art, mm-hmm. you know?
1: And no matter how much work it is, how taxing, you have to do what you love or else you're never going to succeed in anything. So I do think that there's hope for this industry, and that's what Ron and I want to talk about today.
0: No, well, we are. And what do you think that? the biggest reason is, Ron? I mean, you say the industry's broken. I mean, can you offer any evidence or statistical info that would substantiate your
2: claims? According to the Department of Labor, the first thing I would say is, is that I believe people have a lack of education of business skills. That is the number one thing. You... Think as Kayla said you see the money and generating money is is great if you're working in a salon that knows how to generate money but once you mm-hmm. go out and you're on your own mm-hmm. the number one thing i see is i don't know how to market myself i don't know today on a post of a a page with 110,000 stylists somebody said what's the one thing that you miss from school that you didn't get in school that they didn't teach you in right. school Uh, There were a lot of things about shortcuts and long Mm. cuts and all these different things, but 30% of the people that posted on there said they should have taught us business skills. 30%? Mm -hmm. A third of the people on there were saying- Well, give me an idea of how many stylists then qualified are there throughout America, just as an example. Well, there's 700, and according to the Department of Labor, there were 722,000 stylists working last year. and Out of that, 10% make over $50,000. Okay, so
0: what you're saying is it's all very well to go and get your diploma from these schools. I've always been sus with some of these schools, by the way, but who am I to know anything about it? It's just certain intuition things. You know, I can't start a salon anymore. I can't do this. I might as well start a school. That type of thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Would-be's if could-be's because there has-beens. But the reality is let's say it's a good school. They put everything into it. They really care about the students, but all they've done is taught how to do it, the art but I haven't taught you how to survive.
2: They don't do even that. And, I, and I'm not picking, yep. there's very few schools that even teach you the art, teach you how to do hair color, bleaching, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. A school is there to get you licensed, and they're there to get you to pass your state board. That's oh, it what they it sounds like do. real estate, it,
0: honestly. Yep. Yeah, that's and it. So,
1: then you flounder.
0: Well, 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 the thing is this, you know, you, you've got to get a down license, which is a game, then you go and join a brokerage, and as an old ex broker myself in Australia, and being a realtor and all the rest of it, but that wasn't my passion. The reality is this: you don't learn anything till you get with a good broker, right? Mm-hmm. Until you get with a good, uh, you know, station per se, you don't learn anything. So yeah, similar.
2: Well, that's that's one of the biggest things. So they're going out thinking they're going to start this big business, and so they look and they kind of calculate: okay, if I get an eight chair salon and I charge a hundred and fifty dollars a week. Uh, each pair, chair is worth six hundred dollars a month. I can cover my rent, mm-hmm. and uh, but they're then they don't really calculate that I'm going to be doing the laundry for everybody. You know, I'm going to be doing the towels. I'm going to be unless it's a suite rental. And so the the biggest thing I see, and you ask about statistics, is the mean uh, average income in our industry is thirty one thousand dollars. That's taking everybody together putting those 722,000 incomes together, the middle of it is the average is about $31,000. But if you go by the median, Mm -hmm. which is taking everybody and lining them out from people that are making $8 an hour all the way up to a couple of hundred thousand dollars a a year, uh, you come out with an income that's $26,090. That's from the Department of Labor. That's 100, if you're a single family, if you're a a mom and 35% of stylists are single moms, they're living on $110 less than the poverty level in our country. Yep. Well, who'd want to get into the industry? Well, that's that's what's happening. Uh, Talking about opportunity, the Department of Labor says there's going to be a demand for 140,000 more stylists over the next 10 years than there are now. But... That's not gonna happen. They're predicting that one percent we will have 1% less stylist over the next 10 years in the business because they're leaving. Yep. And that's why I'm looking at this, this is broken. And many top stylists who are very successful or mm-hmm. salon owners who are very successful, they could sit there and go, yeah, it's broken, what about it? But they're, they're upset about it, too. They're like, no. our industry is going to pot here, and it's broken, and it's hurtful for the whole industry. Those that are passionate about uh-huh. the industry are seeing it as hurtful mm-hmm. for the
0: entire industry. So. Speaking of pot, see how it got legalized on the weekend, Kayla? Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> I sure did. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw lines of well, people now, standing outside now a couple of them who, who
0: think they were God's answer to, to, the, to the stuff, and you know, thousands of clients and all the rest of it who didn't think they needed uh, any marketing. Or support or anything else, they're right? going to find now that they've got quite a few to compete against. Exactly. You're listening to Miracles from Up on the Business Radio X network with uh, Kayla Womack and Ron Reynolds, or Ronald Reynolds, if you like. Um, you've been Ronny special. Ron. <laughs> ah, Ronnie boy. Call him anything, just don't call him late for dinner. <laughs> yeah. I know that. Yeah. Uh, you've been making specialized hair products for the salon industry since way back in, what, 96. Yeah. You hold two patents, patents yeah. uh, for hair growth and two patents for eyelash growth. Yes. Hmm, that's interesting. I, I would think that it uh, it would be easy for you to get y- your products into salons because you do it physically and you care and you teach and you do all this jazz at the same time, and you drive all across the country to do this, living in motels
2: and back of your car. God there it's well. <laughs> is that the case? And if so, why yeah. not? <laughs> uh, boy, this is goes back to what Kayla was just saying we were talking about. The... Uh, people have moved away from retail in in the salon business there. I would say more than 60, 70% don't even retail anything in their salon. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of them out of that 60 or 70%, I'd say about 30% go down and buy inferior products at a, at a place to use cheaper hairsprays, cheaper shampoos.
0: Well, but because it, life has become tougher with dollars, and you look for that. I mean, you go into Safeway, and and, and you're looking for shampoos that one can afford.
2: Well, you, you're you looking at the retail. I'm talking about the stylists. The stylists are doing that. They're going and buying cheap stuff at, at different oh, stores. and using it and using oh, That's it not in a good film. thing. No.
0: So the poor mug sitting in the chair like me wouldn't have a clue. Right.
2: So you... you uh, and, and what it does is it brings down the income. Going back to those incomes a minute ago, 10% of our industry makes $8 an hour. 10%. It's ridiculous. 35% of our industry only makes $10 an hour. And mm-hmm. this is shocking to people that are probably listening today, stylists that are out there making a good income. I posted that we were going to be talking about some of this. Mm-hmm. And I got some pushback from successful stylists telling me, no, you're crazy. That, that's not how it is. I mean, mm-hmm, well, because mm-hmm. we, I make blank, blank. And I'm like, you're in the upper 10%. Yeah, right. Yep. But I had a lot of people that are in the middle that were saying, well, here's the problems that we have. We're mm-hmm. competing with this, the, you know, the internet and everything else. And the corporation's taking over the businesses and everything else. When I started in the industry, a very good salon right here in Tucson. And now products were. <laughs> They retailed at five dollars. Now they retail at twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. The same yep. product. Mm-hmm. Okay, so take that into consideration of how much. I mean, you're paying for the product and everything else. But they carried thirty thousand dollars worth of product on their shelves to retail.
0: Yeah, that's a lot, and you have to buy that up front, yeah, don't you? Yeah, they do. Yes,
2: you do. But they moved it every month. Well, oh. they moved it every month. Now this is before the corporations took over at Okay, all. but what we what we have here is we have now, when you walk into a booth renter salon, they have no retail and they're not really interested in getting involved in the retail because they've made up their mind that you can't retail in this business. But that salon and several others backed them up on this over the years. Mm -hmm. If you're in a stylist, you should sell enough retail to pay your rent and to pay your electrical bills and your utilities. And... Pay for a three-week vacation every year for yourselves Mm -hmm. and a nice vacation. And those salons go to exotic islands. They do trips all over the world. And those salons really do. Now, I I will tell you personally uh, that I know people that take four or five weeks vacation a year, and they retail at least $1,000 a week of product. And they're just one person in a salon, in a booth rental, or in a suite rental. So now when I go around, I've got to go fishing for a lot of people to find somebody that wants to retail. That's one of the biggest problems. Kayla, based
0: on what he's saying, I know that you go through a lot of up products mm-hmm. uh, in your salon, Curtin Kwana here in Tucson. If the industry is broken, how, do, how does your salon retail so much when others don't? I mean, is there a formula or a secret?
1: I I honestly think it's because of the fact that early on I was very involved in education. I have a fantastic foundation with two parents that were very successful hairdressers in the salon industry for almost 40 years, which is something unheard of now. Most people give up at about year 20 or less. I've been in over 20 years now, and I think the difference is is when I have someone in my chair— I do not push sales to be uncomfortable. Okay. That is the last thing I knew I do. I avoid that at all costs. But what I do is I educate them. I educate them on what their hair needs and that it's kind of like I used to work for a chiropractor. People would come in and get their back fixed and he would say to them and I would tell them if you don't. Do these exercises Mm -hmm. on your own time Mm -hmm. we're only going to do so much okay we can only help you so much these exercises are about 60 to 70 percent of your recovery yeah okay your adjustment is 30. it's the same thing i can make your hair beautiful but how how often are you coming to see me
0: well hair is a growing thing it needs to be really looked after yeah not just cleaned and washed but supported and nourished Right. right
1: so i educate them on that i say look you want your beautiful red to stay in? You can't go buy suave shampoo that's stripping out all the red pigmentation. Okay. Okay. So that's where I come in and I educate them. And I say, if you really want this guaranteed color, mm-hmm. you've got to buy these professional products. I think hairdressers are avoiding it. Maybe they're just well, maybe, they're, maybe they're scared. It. They're scared. It's competition they don't want to deal with. So instead... What they're seeing is a larger turnover because Sally comes into their chair and they say, well, my red hair color doesn't stay. It's fading out in three weeks. So instead of that hairdresser grabbing them, keeping them, Mm -hmm. educating them, they don't say anything. And then Sally goes to someone else, goes to Joe Schmo down the street for Mm -hmm. her hair. Right. Yes. So then they're seeing more turnover as well. Because they're not preserving what they have there. So wow. that's what we do in our salon. We're constantly educating our, mm-hmm. our clients. And we also say, you know what? I talk to my clients. They say, well, what can you afford? What can you afford? Because I'm not, I'm not here to pick pockets, right? Right, right? I'm here for your betterment. What can you do? What can and then I will find a prescriptive basis okay. for them, and I believe that that's why we've been successful in retail. I mean,
0: and it's probably you why you've been successful though with, with your clients for many years that stay loyal because very much. you care so deeply about keeping them. Right, as an ongoing client, you might as well do the right thing in the first place. Exactly, and tell them upfront. But do the right thing. Well, you've both you're both touched on several issues that seem to be centered around a lack of education. Either the, stylist, uh, the stylists themselves don't seek it or the industry just doesn't offer it. So which one is the case, Kayla, do you think? Both? I, I really think it's things. both. Yeah?
1: Absolutely, it's both.
0: Ron, anything to add to that before we take a
2: break? Yeah, it's a marriage that's fractured in a lot of ways. <laughs> and both sides are to blame. <laughs> yeah. And they've drifted apart. And how do you bring them back together? And I think that's how we're we're looking at it is, how do we get the industry, the manufacturer, the stylist back together on, on a mm-hmm. basis that you're both benefiting from it? Mm-hmm. And now with the big corporations being run like corporations, it's really hard to do. Uh, I'll just add one thing about, just before we get a l- into the break, uh, just going back to what Kayla said, it's also how to, how to price yourself. Uh, People price themselves by what the person in the chair next to them is pricing. So you come out of school, you end up giving away a lot of work because it's family and friends and you start off cheap. And then you never grow your pricing up. So then when you finally get in a salon, it's kind of like, hey, what do you charge for that? Well, that's mm-hmm. what they charge. But you know what? Maybe they don't have a brand new car outside that you just bought for your graduation present or something else. You know, Maybe mm-hmm. they've got a cheaper mm-hmm. mortgage whatever. You have to go, if you're an independent contractor, you have to set your price by what you need to survive and thrive. And I say thrive because this is an industry that easily pays a six-figure income, easily. I have people that work four-day weeks, and make a quarter of a million dollars Good a year. Good Lord. And, but they Doesn't know seem fair, does it? That, yeah, no. So how are we going from a quarter of a million down to $8 an hour? Mm-hmm. It's several potholes that we're running into that are turning into sinkholes. And that's the, that's the saddest part of this industry. And we want people to make a great living mm-hmm. because there's so much here. Well, I tell you what, it's almost
0: sounding like you're going to have to have a massive downhaul in different cities across America and invite everybody. Maybe the way it has to go, but getting them there is, is another thing. Is another thing interesting. interesting. You're listening to Miracles from Up on Tucson Business Radio X with your host, Mark Bishop, and more importantly, Kyla Womack and Ronald Reynolds. Now, why don't you guys talk about Up? Well, I, I've had other people tell me your down products are so good. Why?
2: Well, I think number one is we don't have products just to have products. Um, we are a small line. We don't even make shampoos except for our patented hair growth system, which is more for your scalp than it is for the hair. Um, we are about taking something in a need in the industry and making it the best it can be. We do not go out and just produce something and run it out. First of all, I can't take it into market if i don't like it myself. Uh, if i'm not happy with the results of what i'm getting i i, I don't want to produce it. but then there's the competition factor. so i need stylists to test these products, tell me what it needs uh, to be added or what needs to be taken out and we test things usually for about 3 years. Kayla's known me a long time. Yep. And we have a uh, twelve products in our line, and that's it. After after twenty six years, we still only have uh, we still only have uh, twelve products. Oh, you and know only. why? You specialize in that, then and you don't saturize. We're very specialized. The keep second,
1: it simple, stupid. Yes.
2: Um, <laughs> once we get about ninety uh, percent or better approval from those uh, very rigid stylists, we we take it to the next level uh, of getting it into the salons and supporting it with education, and we're very very much our focus is always not only on the performance of the product but how it leaves the integrity of the hair. And we don't add harsh chemicals like alcohol to almost any of our products. Uh, We don't use resins. We uh, have hair that is very healthy when it's over, a scalp that's very healthy. And we like it that you can run your fingers through the hair and not break your hair off and that sort of thing. And Kayla Salon moves a lot of product for us and, and they're uh, I wish every salon was like Kurt and Kiwana Salon, I'd be a very wealthy man if that was the case <laughs> but they We're uh, trying. They do a great, uh, a great service to their customer with our products and we have volumizers we specialize in fine thin and thinning hair, we have volumizers that make you look like you have 45% more volume so you almost look like you have twice as much hair when you're done wow. and, and they last until you shampoo them out and they have great memory. You can just reheat them in the morning, and they just swell everything back up. Sounds and marvelous. Where can people visit? You've got a site? People can look at these products? Thebeautycartel.com mm-hmm. is our site, and uh, you can see all of our products there and explanations. Explanations and, and so on. And fabulous. educational videos, that sort right. of thing.
0: And by the way, our listeners, if you'd like to comment or you don't agree with anything, that's good. This show is going to get better and better. Lots of guests are coming on when they realize the value of being on it and don't think they don't need it so you know you could get an invite but more importantly if you've got any comments send them to ron email yep to ron reynolds what's that address ron beauty cartel at gmail ron beauty cartel at gmail okay and they'd love to get your feedback on it now ron the statistics you gave it shows an extreme income gap between the top 10 percent of a stylist and the bottom 50 you, percent. you travel the entire country calling on salons and doing ride-alongs with reps, you know. Uh, is it a regional thing that some areas are more affluent, so therefore the stylists in those areas make
2: more money? Again, statistics never lie. The, uh, there's an old thing in business, and I was in international franchising, lived in five different countries setting up franchises, mm-hmm. and there's a num- there's some a business uh, a rule that the numbers never lie. And so when I first heard about this discrepancy, and and I heard people telling me what they make, I had thought, well, it's got to be a regional thing. It's got to be where they live and the cost of living, that sort of thing. Right, and, right. And uh, it turns out it's really not. You can go to Washington D.C. That's the highest income in the country for a stylist, but it's only about ten to twelve percent higher. Than the the other regions mm-hmm. Boston Massachusetts area that's kind of a high area but you know where a high area is why? Wyoming, the least populated state in the union, pretty much, uh, or one of them. Interesting. Why? It, Why is that? I mean, well, because people there run a business. Uh, uh, is my my thinking is they run a business uh, like a business. They're hardworking. Number mm-hmm, one, mm-hmm. Uh, ranchers, farmers, and things oh, like that. Side of the earth type. Side mm-hmm. of the earth. <laughs> and they show up for work every day, and that that is a problem in our industry as well. As is people it? don't, mm. they get down. My great. This in, industry isn't
0: rife with drugs, is it? Like, uh, like the entertainment
2: industry. No, maybe back in the seventies uh, and eighties. Stylists, and, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. of shampoo yeah. with Beatty. You yes. know what Oh I'm my saying? goodness! <laughs> but it's 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 not any more populated in that than, than any other industry, and pretty much they're all self-employed now and having to make income. There you yeah. go. Right. So, well,
0: Kyla, as a successful stylist, and you're one of the best there is. Like, you know, what advice would you have to a stylist who's coming out of school? or someone who just doesn't know uh, why, you know, they aren't making any money. I mean, how should they hit the restart button? What can they do?
1: Well, this is the really hard thing is my daughter, for example, she will be graduating school soon. And to be honest with you, I really don't know how she'd be making it without myself and my mom mentoring her. I have another friend, her daughter wants to move back from Seattle, Washington because she can't make it either. She graduated beauty school, doesn't even know where to start. What's happening is there's no motivation in salons anymore because what would motivate me when I'm independent to bring up a new hairstylist if I'm not making something off of them, correct? So why would I want to take endless hours mentoring someone and building them up if I don't gain from it? So I think there's – I've been talking about this. It's a lack of leadership. People have become very selfish and very selfishly driven in this industry. So if you don't find as a new stylist, if you don't find a commission salon that's willing to mentor you and take you on as an assistant to pay you an hourly wage, so at least you've got some security while you're building, you're floundering. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how people go out. You can't. How would I go afford $150 a week if I don't have one client? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> how do I, I
1: afford that i right? tell you what i'm
0: sorry i'm laughing but this absolutely reminds me so much so as a young man going out into my industry in australia as a young announcer a jock whatever you want to call it uh you know between my car payments and the rent was more than i was getting absolutely. i had to play two up you know or play pool for money to survive right because you got nothing and you nothing. lived in caravans without air conditioning in the heat or the outback somewhere till you get to cap city and you know you've got it Earn your stripes. You've got to. That's right. But you've got to survive on the way through. Yep. And these poor devils you're talking about. I don't know how they're doing. No wonder they're leaving the industry. Right. Maybe is there such a thing as co-op in your game? Is there a chance that X amount of stylists could maybe run salons together?
2: No. Okay. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an option at all. It doesn't <laughs> it work. I feel like okay. Her, herding cats. Uh, it sure would be. Uh, uh, meow. <laughs> Remember, you're dealing
1: with a uh, hottie independent artists with their own thinking you're dealing with a very different group of people and that's something ron and i have noticed um it's funny because my tax attorney told me one time he said you know (laughs) he said to me I don't meet many hairdressers like you that have a business sense. Uh-huh. You're very across the board, very balanced. He's like, you're the first person I haven't had to fix your books. Uh-huh. Um, where most of them, you know, he's like, it's a nightmare. He well, it almost shakes sounds shakes like his his to me, you
0: guys who aren't then qualified, if they haven't got a clue how to run a business, and haven't been trained, they're going to have to now fork out to bring somebody in the can. Yes. There's another overhead, another expense. Right. Okay, you don't need that.
2: Let me real quickly just kind of go back to, what you asked Kayla there. If I was a student coming out of school, the first thing I would do is in school, I would attend every educational class outside. If I don't care if I have to wash windows or Mm -hmm. or go to the car wash and wash cars, whatever, I would like to make, and most manufacturers who are putting on educational shows and distributors will give students a huge discount because they want to earn your trust and your your business when you graduate okay so the first thing is i would attend every class cutting class color class even if i don't understand and i would stay after and ask specific questions to, to the things i don't understand yes but is that too expensive to do that no it's not very expensive at all okay actually. so all right. uh maybe twenty dollars here or fifty dollars here to, to go to a class like that and uh hands-on cutting classes are about 125 or for a student they're about 75 to 80 dollars when does the student and get the braid to do this well they uh you know they get tips when they're uh, in school but they can work outside of school many many hairdressers work outside of school okay. so while right. they're going, that just sec- sounds
0: like a lot of money to me yeah. you know?
2: the second thing is I would go find a uh salon where it's very successful and offer my free in ask for to be an intern and offer mm-hmm. my services a couple hours a day learning and observing how a successful salon and asking a lot of questions. See, about that's
0: smart, how it's that's smart. But this free, bit, I don't know, man, I can't get interns for my company. Yep. And I've tried universities <laughs> and everything and they want to be paid these you days. You know
1: what? <sighs> that right there is the problem. They right.
0: want to be paid. So much for learning. I mean, When people, I was a kid, I did everything he said for Nick's. Yep. That's right. Because you've got to learn your craft and learn more. And if you can work with mm-hmm. super people who know what they're doing and who can teach you little tricks and, and just expedite your career... Why
1: wouldn't you do that? You know, it's so true. So, you've got a lot of people that are going into college coming out with anywhere from a hundred thousand to three hundred thousand in student debt. Yet, you have an industry like ours where it's sure you're going to pay 25 grand to go to school, okay? But they're not even willing to intern for free, like you said. Mm -hmm. There's a different mentality shift, and I think that that is what we really have to deal with right now there's a mentality shift and there's going to be very few that will be successful in any one given business like yours or ours Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it has to be the people that are hungry for it so if it's truly not their passion Mm -hmm. they're gonna falter they're gonna they'll stick with it maybe a year if if not less. It's the passion
0: that gets you through, isn't it? It is. And and I mean, you work full time uh, behind the chair. You're a mom. You're a singer, songwriter, an artist as well. You, you know, uh, you put your work into galleries. You're that good as an artist. You're gifted, very gifted. You're very blessed. uh, And you're involved in your church in a busy way. I mean, is is there a key to balancing your life and not letting it interfere with your salon business?
1: I think the biggest thing is that Any one person, no matter how much you love the industry you're in, even if you're not good at something, have an outlet, have something to reinvigorate you. That's why I I dabble in so many different things, because it's keeping that balance that keeps you from burning out in any one area, right? It's like the whole saying, you put your eggs all in one basket, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I give my all to everything that I do, but I truly believe that all those little outlets I have keep me well-saturated and well-rounded as a person, and that's why I haven't burned out in this industry. I've been in it 20 years, and I know that that's why I continue to love it, because I give myself outlets— so yes. that I don't burn out. I think that's really important You've as well. We've got to have releases. We uh, have to have You remind
0: that. me of a dear friend of mine uh, in Melbourne, Australia, um, when I was going to night school, learning my career, starting at school to, to do radio. Uh, he became a hairstylist. He loved it. He was very good, mm-hmm. but he went nuts. He literally went insane. Yeah. You know, uh, by doing, I don't want to do that. By doing the job. <laughs> yeah. It's he, true. he worked long hours. Yes. By the time Sunday came, he just drank all day to be able to t- try and turn off. And Monday it was on again.
1: And that's not the outlet you want to have, right?
0: Crows, so it's having what.
1: healthy outlets. That's
0: exactly what you've got to do. I hope you got a tip out of that, listeners. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, Kayla knows what she's talking about. Ron, you've, you've had a chance to live in many other countries, start up new franchises, Is the problem the same in all countries, and are the solutions the same?
2: Uh, I would say yes to both of those questions. Uh, The problems are somewhat generational. Uh, Part of it, too, is that uh, in the time of lifetime that I've been in this business, and and, and then I left it for 12 years to go into international franchising, and it brought me back, is that the people that are my age or maybe 10 years younger – are now retiring, and we got to live through the glory years of this. The big parties, the big shows, the big hmm. amazing things. We had uh, distributors that would bring in bands. We'd do a three-day show, and they'd bring in bands like ZZ Top and just huge games. Sounds like a lot of fun. It was. And yeah. uh, when you talked about the drugs, they were there too, but uh, <laughs> uh, the stylists liked to the the party. Uh, there. there was just this glory years of just amazing money to be made. And, and remember then, everything was cheaper. Too, and uh, you know you're doing t- a lot cheaper services, but you did them well, and you were at the top of your field. Now the glory years, Kayla's generation, because she grew up in the salons, and uh, we had uh, and
1: I got to witness that she
2: got to witness it because she was growing up in it and travel and stuff with her family or her parents. Mm-hmm. That that end, they remember it, and they're seeing the breakdown. And then there's a new generation that never knew. They're the $10, $15 an hour stylist right now because they don't know. It's unfortunate. You can make that money. And that's universal across the world. Really? And so I was teaching a class to 300 students recently. And uh, I said, how many of you are going to probably think you can make about $35,000 a year out of this mm-hmm. industry? Mm-hmm. And I'd say 90% of the hands went up. I mean, everybody. And then as I said, okay, how about 50000 and maybe 3 or 4% of the hands went up. And I said, how about $80,000? And a couple of hands went up. Mm-hmm. And then I said, how about $100,000 a year? And not one hand went up. We're now a generation that that it's kind of like when you throw the frog into a bucket and, and it's uh it's swimming around having mm-hmm. a great time. And then you start to turn the fire up underneath it. It doesn't know it's burning to death. You know, it doesn't know it's about to boil. And that's where we're at with this generation. They don't know what the good times were. No, they don't. And they don't know what the big money is there. And the money is still there. But you've got to change your way of thinking. You've got to reinvent yourself. And you've got to reinvent the industry that you can control. And they have a lot of power. The stylists have a lot of power with the manufacturers. They just don't exercise it. When one of the things that I saw when I was younger we used to have lobby groups. The stylists put their pool oh, together. Well, I was just thinking, you yeah. know, I
0: mean, hey, with no stylists, you've got no products, you've got no big corporation manufacturers. Right.
2: And we, who who and are they going to sell it to? Exactly. You had the you were asking about co-oping, but we had lobbyists. And if there was a problem with the state uh, legislature right we had we sent lobbyists wow and what a different
0: and, industry and, eh? that doesn't exist anymore tell you That's what a, well in your bio ron that i read you you developed a mantra that you used you know to reach the success that that you had eventually to create patented products and share with the listeners why you feel it can help them please
2: i am probably just like anybody else uh, i spent my lifetime uh, thought about going to school and then i realized i had no artistic ability um and you really you have to be an artist yeah i was gonna ask and, you why
0: when she was stylist.
2: well uh, oh, back then too i could only do men's hair and i wanted to do she has two hair.
1: left feet for it's, hands that's yes, why this
2: is true you know, men's <laughs> hair that, that little what's it
0: called that sausage thing outside the building red and yeah, white you the, know? The, the, I, well i
2: would have left a lot of bare spots on scalps you yeah know, right got my clippers again um but can you can i sue you can you sue a hairstylist yeah it's hard to get it, it, for, for physical damage you can, can it's really hard if you don't like if your you haircut, cut their but,
1: earlobe off yes yeah mm-hmm. or you
2: burn their scalp with something right. you, you have to have liability insurance for that but okay. the mantra I learned is when I was in sales and companies would uh, send in top-notch people like Zig Ziglar and stuff to train us and uh, one of them said something and I was a young man that just was selling and i had no idea what i was doing i was, I was like these ten dollar an hour people but it, back then the <laughs> the ten bucks was good ten bucks an hour would be great i was at a dollar 46 an hour oh my god so
0: the, the he doesn't look 122 yeah, i
1: sure. know right but
2: uh when you when you uh, w- w- they just said you know the number one thing is you've got to win the trust of the customer and you do that by giving them the truth in information. And so if you don't know the answer to something, say, I don't know, but let me go find out for you. And that became my mantra is, I don't know, but let me find out for you. And even today, That's right. people ask me things. I'm like, I don't know, but let me find that out. When I went into manufacturing, it was the same thing. I was terrified of doing anything manufacturing wise. I was working with a, a manufacturer and he gave me this book and it was on chemistry. Well, I am like stylist in a lot of ways. I don't like to do math and chemistry. Uh, I was failing (laughs) after just about four weeks in the class. And I said, I've got to get out of here before I get an F. And I went and got, went into a different class. Uh, But, um, I said, what am I supposed to do with this? He said, well, now that you're back in the business, the stylists are a lot smarter. They wanna know what's in the product, they wanna know why it works, how it works. They used to just take your word for it, now you gotta gotta Mm -hmm. have You have to prove it. Mm -hmm. You have to Mm -hmm. prove it. Well, that's good. I said, I'm a great salesman, don't worry. I I went into that salon with him and we started talking about his products and she looked at me and goes, what makes it work? And I just kind of, (laughs) froze. So I took that book, I started studying things and then it came time that there was a need in the market for something. And I trying to find out what product was on the market that did that and there wasn't one out there. So I worked with a chemist for two and a half years to figure out how to do this product and we finally did it. And and you put
0: your own money into it. You put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. Well done. Two and and a half years. That's not cheap.
1: The back of his head used to be bald. Yes. But because of his product, I'll, look at his hair's back. Ah,
0: you so, had a landing strip for mosquitoes, oh, did you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> he didn't
1: even know it either. I, I
2: didn't even know it. Men well, never look at their hair. You heads. got a full head of hair now, baby. Well, that was, uh, you know, and when my wife said, you know, you need to make something now that'll grow my hair back. And I was like, way over my pay grade. Right? <laughs> uh, and, uh, so, and
1: here he is. And th- that so seven
2: years of, of research and, mm-hmm. and doing it, uh, we came up with something that worked. And then and, and we applied for patents. And five years later, we got. Yeah, patents. That's and, great. So.
0: Well, we've got to get it across America and overseas. Yeah. That's what <laughs> we've got to do. Limited time left with miracles from up on this episode. But a uh, couple of last questions. Kayla, do you feel that the industry can stop its downturn? And what are a few keys to the solution? If you can wave the magic wand. Yes. One, two, three, bang. What would you All do? All
1: right. I really do. Like I said, I'm an optimist at heart. Okay. And I meet people every day that are upcoming in this industry or people that are in this industry. And I believe the heart of the matter is that if we bind together, that's why Ron and I, when we educate, we like to give people back their value. I truly think that it starts there. I think hairdressers, if they could find their value once again, know what they're worth and start acting that way and reunify one another. Salons used to be very unified, If we get our heads back together and stop acting selfishly and so independently and help each other out, I think we can start seeing a difference. For me, it's like you said, you want to intern people, right? I want I have a heart for young people I have a heart to get people started and I know Ron does too and so if that means I have to give a little bit of myself for free Mm -hmm. if that repays something for me and Mm -hmm. my own self worth to mentor my daughter or another girl like her who's coming out as a newbie that's what I want to see. I do believe this industry can take a turn. I think we just have to find the right key that fits. And I think we're just right on top of it. Mm -hmm. And that is why Ron and I haven't given up because we do see that potential is there. And I think that it's going to get to a place where, you know, here's something great. When COVID hit and our salon had to close for six weeks, I felt more appreciated by my clients than I had felt in years. Yeah, right. They They, they truly valued what I gave them. And I don't think they realized we all grow calloused over time and we all forget mm-hmm. the intricate pieces that everyone gives us in our life, right? The mm-hmm, server at mm-hmm. the restaurant the you know, the hairdresser that combs your hair, yep. you, you know, Mark, you are someone that started this business in Radio X and you help people build their clientele, build their, their industries. Well,
0: I work hard for small business. I believe they are the backbone of, uh, in Australia, America, I don't yeah. care where the devil you live. The small business is the backbone of a country. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's all very well for corporates. You know, some of them get more money for lunch and booze nights than somebody earns in a year. Right. And what I hate is when they go overseas jazz and don't pay any tax. All that upsets yeah. me, I tell you. Thousands on the streets. You know, we've got an Aussie pie guy. I interviewed him the other day. He's from Australia and he lives in L.A. And he specializes now in Australian sausage rolls and meat pies. And they're divine, right? Uh-huh. Like American hot dogs. You go to the football or anything. And the bottom line is he serves Skid Row, you know, for free. Yeah. He does that to help because he cares. Right. But he also, you know, he sells. He's in business, so he has to make some money. And he sells to Aussies all across the country in America because we miss our meat pies and sausage rolls and our lamingtons. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and a few it. other things. Guys, you both want to give back to this industry. And and you want to make it free or the least expensive to people as possible. In closing, what are some of the things that you'd like to do to help those that are struggling in the industry?
2: I'd say the first thing is <clears throat> we want to give you our knowledge and our experience and like I said if we don't know the answer uh, is my mantra is let, let let me get back to you on it and let me find out. Mm-hmm. Luckily for both of us we have surrounded ourselves with a lot of very successful stylists and salons around the it, Kayla through her education and me through our the manufacturing I've met wonderful people. Uh, One of them is going to be our next guest, uh, hopefully either on the 8th of February or the following 8th of March. And she... Changed her career at fifty years old. She retired and hated retirement. Came back out and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she uh, went through beauty school and all through beauty school. Good on her. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you're not finished. I mean, you yeah. that's young. Yes. 50. And six years later, she's got a beautiful salon in Northwest Phoenix, and she's a commission salon. And she has three people in her salon that make over a hundred thousand dollars a year. And wow. So, uh, she's now building her second salon up. In you want Sedona. to mention it? Everybody's going to rush to get a job there. You know. Yeah. Her right? needs, well, her name <laughs> is Miss Candy Walter at Design Me <laughs> Salon up there and she's opening a new salon up in Sedona a second okay. salon and building a second home up there okay.
1: I might have to go yeah, so I live in Sedona, Sedona part time and work for Sedona. Candy but yeah. we,
2: we want to bring this education free we want people to listen to these broadcasts we want to bring people who are willing to share because they want to see the industry turn around okay so,
0: so you want good feedback yes. and open discussion and listen we can have phones in and talk to people if yeah. you like here's the deal um, the show is going to stay permanently on TucsonBusinessRadioX.com, www.tucsonbusinessradiox.com. Photos of the guys, Kayla, and 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 their guests as they come on board, and the shows stay there, uh, infinitum. Secondly, um, we, I, put them out on social media uh, all over the place as much as I can uh, on major platforms. You're doing it, Ron, yes. with your good boys over there, the Misfits.
2: The, the ma- Misfit Mafia.
0: The Misfit Mafia. What a name. <laughs> <laughs> but they're pretty good, I'll give them that. And they're very affordable. Yes. And I'm looking forward to working with Jared and so on <laughs> and uh, and the team. And they put your shows out. So where can the listeners find you uh, other, other than here or the channel or, or you know, can they tune into their Facebook? Or?
2: We have now a, a Facebook page, mm-hmm. and it is uh, Miracles from Up. Mm-hmm. So if they go to Miracles from Up, all of this will start to get posted on there, and they can mm-hmm. find the links to That's the great. shows. And That's everything. great.
0: So, they can, so they're can. they going to archive yes. the, the shows for you. Exactly. That's terrific. And then people can email you and yes. ring. And then once we get into video soon, they'll also be able to. We can do our shows live on that as well. We'll live stream yes. videos as yes. well. We so have, that'll be good.
2: We want to have people that do marketing on this show for mm-hmm. the salon industry. We want you, social uh, that media. That would be very
0: good Everything. If, uh, yes. uh, to help the newbie starting out yes. and to do the others and at a discounted rate exactly. so that they can afford it. Mm. Um, that's a smart move on the behalf of the misfits, yes. and it's a smart move on behalf of yourself, Miracles, from up Caring for the industry. Thanks, guys. Great show. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me. I, I enjoyed it. We thank you, Good. Mark. Thanks, and, Mark, uh, for being.
1: And thank you for what you do. Yes. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I you know, I, I'm grateful to have uh, had a great career, and I came out every time. And. Yeah. Um, I came out every time and to do this, and I, I love it. I, it's my wheelhouse, and you can't play golf seven days a week. Trust me.
1: <laughs> Especially on days like today.
0: <laughs> not on days like today. First time we've had some rain for wherever you're listening around the world, because <laughs> we do have a global reach.
1: All of us but, Arizonans uh, Tucson, are...
0: Uh, yeah, we're happy. we got we're rain. Dancing. The desert is beautiful when it rains. It yes. blooms. It's not all what you think it is you see on movies. You've got to come to Tucson and southern Arizona to appreciate its total spectrum. It's beautiful. Kayla, thank you. Kayla Womack and Ronald, Ronald uh, Reynolds. (laughs) (laughs) Miracles from Up, ladies and gentlemen, on TucsonBusinessRadioX.com. Join us again for another informative and interesting Miracles from Up for body, hair and soul on the Business Radio X Network.